Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. It's Allison. And although we've spent the last few episodes with some wonderful interviews that I hope you'll check out, today we're back to some Q&A. So thanks for those people that have sent in questions. I know you're eagerly awaiting responses. And if you've got a question for me, please feel free to email those to my email address in the show notes. And today we start off with a mom who has sent me a message actually through Facebook. She says, Hi, Allison. I have a new question for your podcast, if possible. My five-year-old and seven-year-old do online schooling since the beginning of the school year. My seven-year-old is doing pretty good. She sometimes doesn't want to finish her work, but she will talk about the frustration and then get things done. My five-year-old, however, doesn't want to do anything. She says she doesn't want to do school, and she is completely distracted during her online lessons with the teacher. She purposely ignores her teacher and doesn't participate. She constantly tries to find a way out, like asking for food, asking the teacher when the meeting is going to be finished so she can go on, and so on. To have her finish any of the work is a constant struggle, and conversations that it's her responsibility and that we all have jobs to do just doesn't seem to work. Any suggestions how to help her? I also don't want school to become a horrible experience and cause tension in our household, but I would like for her to finish her work that she's required to do. Thank you. So let me start by saying, always we look for the positives, right? That um, I agree with you 100% that when we've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, these are the kids at the beginning of their school and learning careers, and we hope that they become lifelong learners and that they have a good relationship with school and education. Now, certainly your seven-year-old seems to be giving you regular seven-year-old stuff and you're managing fine with that, and you're keeping your positive attitude at the forefront. 
But the five-year-old, I think we have to just put a little overlay here. Five-year-olds are in kindergarten. If you want to understand a five-year-old from a developmental point of view, you can go to um, the online bookstore. The Gestalt Institute puts out books called, you know, your two-year-old, your three-year-old, your four-year-old, your five-year-old. They're Every year they're growing so quickly that they're at a different developmental stage. So I think we need to remember that a five-year-old in kindergarten trying to do online learning is really probably not developmentally appropriate in the sense that whoever said that we were expecting a five-year-old to really be sitting doing Zoom meetings, I don't know if this is synchronous learning that goes on all day, if it's just short periods that they have to check in. Uh, But I know from some kindergarten teachers that I have talked to, they know that trying to do this online is just worlds away from the immersive, engaging experience of being in a classroom with your teacher who you like, with your friends that you're excited about, and doing activities in a real-world, engaging fashion. That a lot of this just doesn't translate to online. And in fact, it may really be rather farcical. And that maybe there's some kids that have that attention span and are able to integrate uh, their learning across the screen. But I would say those are likely the rarest of our kids. So if we think just generally about what happens in kindergarten and five-year-olds and what really would be something that could be helpful and effective for you in terms of their development is to think about what we expect of a five-year-old. Does your five-year-old follow simple instructions? And I don't mean online with the teacher. I mean at home. If you say, can you grab this ball and put it in that bag, are they able to follow the instructions? I would say it's also important at five to start working on their frustration uh, tolerance and their patience for things that are boring or tasks that aren't interesting. As you said, you know, we all have jobs to do, but don't worry about the schoolwork so much as how you can jump on that skill at home. Things that are maybe not so interesting to do at home are picking up toys. Will your five-year-old clean up after themselves? Does your five-year-old carry their plate from the dinner table and take it to the kitchen? Will they pick up their clothes and put them in the hamper? These are some of the boring, need-to-be-done things of life, and we want to make sure that we start practicing those things at home. Another good skill for a five-year-old that you learn in the classroom is that you're not the only person. You're one of a group, and so you need to take turns. That means in your family, it might mean something like not interrupting when other people are talking. That's being a good uh, person who plays well with others. And do they play well with others? That's another important feature of being in a classroom versus at home at five years old. I don't know with social bubbling if she has opportunities to see friends or how she gets along with her um, seven-year-old sister, but practicing cooperation, taking turns, playing with others, speaking up to ask for a turn, dealing well with um, emotional frustration and patience, all of those things can happen at home. The other thing really is is reading. That's a big part of the introduction to language and the excitement that comes from learning to read. And we know that parents can facilitate that just by making reading a value in the family and to make it something fun and enjoyable and to get them engaged with stories and identifying letters and words and making sure that that still seems like a fun thing to do that you're doing on a regular basis. I think if you've got that piece happening 
it is unlikely that they're going to fall so wildly behind or it, anything that the average child couldn't catch up with as we get through this pandemic and, and try to head on. So I would also uh, reach out to your kindergarten teacher and explain the dilemma that you're having. And no doubt because they're, she's <laughs> getting down from the, the Zoom meeting or asking when it's over, etc. You could ask the kindergarten teacher for ways that you could be supportive from the other end without being the police. And she might give you some uh, different different um, tricks and ideas that have been working with some of the other kids and probably just to quell your fears that she's experiencing this with other kids and uh, that she doesn't take it as a reflection of uh, either your parenting abilities nor your your child's uh, behavior. So reach out to your teacher and get some good information developmentally about what a five-year-old could be doing and let's give them some responsibilities and do some of those more in real life learning exercises appropriate for a five-year-old in the context of your home life rather than through the school world. Next question. Uh, My name is Sharon, and I have been watching since my daughter was born. She's now almost 12. I'm having trouble with her attitude and emotions. Not sure if COVID has anything to add, but she's mad one day, then crying the next. Please give me some advice. So first of all, thank you for being a lifelong learner with me since your child was born. That's fantastic. And now what you're realizing, as so many parents do, is that as we enter into the tween and teen years, things really start to change. There's just a huge amount of of change in the brain and the body and the development of a teenager. And there is often changes that do create more emotionality. And I don't ever want to write these off as, oh, she's just hormonal. There's nothing more dismissive than, oh, you know, she must be on the reg. We make all kinds of demeaning comments to women about their hormonal state. And so uh, while I do appreciate that there are um, moods that can be associated with uh, hormone changes, endocrine changes in the system for both boys and girls, neither would I dismiss it, but it's more that we have to teach our children more emotional regulation skills during this time. And one of those things is to appreciate that her emotions are her reality, but it is not fair to use her emotions in a way that take down the rest of the family, that you're allowed to have a bad mood, but you don't have to make everybody in the family have a bad mood with you. I would try to get underneath and find out what's happening for her that these emotions are um, going on. And the important thing about getting teens and tweens to open up is really the skill of being a good listener. And a lot of times when we listen to our teens and tweens, because we are kind and caring and we want to relieve their suffering, we tend to jump in with, well, you know, why don't you drop that friend? She doesn't seem to be treating you really well. Or, well, if you're all stressed about your test tomorrow, why don't you study harder? We tend to jump in with solutions. And because our kids don't really want our solutions, they tend to shut down the communication. So this is really about holding that big space for them to do their own thinking, that the prefrontal cortex is under development, and it's a muscle that needs to be to, to be exercised. They want to work through things on their own, and in fact, when they do, there's actually a greater, deeper learning when it comes from within. People don't do so well, even in therapy or anything else, when we spoon-feed them answers— it, it doesn't resonate all the way through. It doesn't create a shift in their thinking to the same way. You might give them one little strategy, but unlikely that you're going to really move their world. So the question becomes, can we sit in their presence as they go on and on and on and hold that loving space to say, you know, I'm so so sorry that you're having a, 
an upset day. Would you like to talk to me about it? And say, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that sounds like you're in a tough spot. Oh, so your friend posted that thing on social media and that was embarrassing. Oh, that would be tough. Oh, you're feeling overwhelmed. It feels like the school load is too, too big for you. Just keep listening. In all those calming, wonderful sentences that you're saying back, you're just reflecting and experience, and you're saying, I'm, I'm understanding you, I'm seeing into your world, and I feel the same feelings that you have. That's understandable to me. I love you. You'll manage. And maybe they might start saying, yeah, maybe I'm not going to talk to her anymore. Or, yeah, well, maybe next time if I study a bit harder. They will come up with so much if we just hold the space. And so if we want our tweens and teens to keep coming to us, then we need to prove to them our great listening skills, non-judgmental, non-critiquing, non-problem-solving skills. Now, of course, when they do get to problem-solving, it's not to say we have to completely not use our great wisdom, but I'm certainly not going to do it in the beginning as I'm listening. I rarely wanted to do it at all with my teens, and I certainly would wait for either an invitation of them, you know, do you have ideas or what can I do? Or I might say, can I, can I toss out something that, that crossed my mind or are you interested in here? And if they go, nope, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but really just be that listener. Hope that helps. And then our last one is from another email that I received. She said, we found vape pens in my daughter's room today. Obviously, we will talk to her tonight about it, but I'm just unsure what the consequence of this should be. What is relevant? And unfortunately, we haven't been revealed in advance because we didn't think we'd ever be in this situation. We are so disappointed in her choices and the lying and hiding. We have educated her about the dangers, but I don't know what should be the consequence. It's so hard with COVID because she's not going out anyway. She is at an all-girls school in year seven. Well, I uh, can tell that you are an educated parent who knows how to make a good consequence. And for those just listening in, when we talk about separating consequences from punishments, punishments tend to not bring about the behavior change that we want. We tend to get more hiding and, and retaliation. So if we really want big change in learning to be the goal, then consequences are one way to go about it. And a good consequence should be related to the activity, related to the vaping behavior, related or relevant. And the revealed in advance means she should know that those consequences are coming so that there is a sense of having some agency and control as we make our choices, understanding what the consequences of those choices will be. But consequences are not the only tool in your toolbox. They are very popular when our kids are younger. But as our kids get older, we need to use them less and less. I'm not saying abandon them altogether, but you really want to start using them infrequently. And certainly when we start getting into the tween years, a tool that is going to be more effective is using the power of the relationship. And I know that sounds really amorphous and like it's not going to work. <laughs> but if we again go back to this idea of stepping inside the mind of the child and through their experience and us trying to get an understanding of what would have to make sense for this behavior to be positive for the child. And when I mean positive, I mean we always move Make movement is, is a big Adlerian concept that our behavior is movement, movement towards a goal. We're always moving, moving towards a goal. And in general speaking, we are moving from a position of what we feel to be a felt, meaning subjective, uh, minus position, to a perceived positive position. 
I'm going from not feeling good to feeling good. And um, on the podcast, we're going to have Paul Rasmussen talk to us about that because he also says when you move from felt minus to felt positive, you move from not feeling good to feeling better. But feeling better isn't always the good thing to do. So in this particular case, and with all vaping and our kids' experimentation uh, at this age, could it be that one of the usefulnesses of behavior is... I have peers that are experimenting, and this is one of the ways that I can be connected with my friends and adopting the social norms of the group that I want to be a part of, to be socially acceptable and to to get in, to get in with my peers if they're all doing it. And so that would move us from feeling felt minus, like an outsider, not participating, not being valued, to feeling in, embedded, together, having social status. So while you can see the movement from felt minus to felt positive, vaping is felt positive for her, but it's not good in the sense of it's not good for um, on a moral basis. It's not good on a health behavior. And so you're pointing out the goodness to her. But I think what we have to do is to talk to her about that movement to felt positive, which is let's discuss the appeal of this as being some kind of motivation towards social acceptance. And you might toss around some other ideas, like if you hung out with friends and they all robbed from a convenience store, would you do that in order to find your place in the group? And she might say, well, that's ridiculous. I would never do that. And you're like, well, that's that's fantastic. You know, that really says that you know the difference between good moral behavior and, and non-good moral behavior. So you're, you can clearly see the line in distinction there, but it sounds like that's still a little bit more blurred for you in terms of your value as you are right now around the health behaviors that you're making. And you might want to say, if somebody didn't like you because you didn't do harmful activities, what does that say about them as a, as a friend? And how are you feeling about yourself and your merit? Why are you, why are you a good friend? Why are you somebody worthy of having these people in your lives? So I would go at it not not so much about – it sounds like you've done all the education about, you know, how you can uh, get addicted without knowing it and, you know, popcorn lung and all the things that we know about vaping. But I think we want to go more to that that baseline conversation about you are worthy and likable just the way you are. And you could experiment with saying, no, look, at I've tried it. I've experimented. Uh, I felt guilty about it. Likely made her feel sick the first time. And I don't like hiding from my parents. Parents. I don't like not being the person that I am and, you know, love me for who I am uh, and, and work on those self-esteem concepts. I think that's where you're really going to get the big gain. And I think doing it in that tone of voice that we love you, we care for you, we hate to think that your estimation of yourself and your worth is less than, than what we have for you. We, we know how wonderful you are. And so is this meaning that she's going to like change in a heartbeat? Well, maybe, maybe not. But the point is, She's less likely to continue on, and we have more likely to have influence over her thinking when we come at it using the strength of our parent-child relationship to influence and to move her towards some of the values that we hold as a family and that are likely ingrained with her. Kids will tune us out if they feel like we don't understand. We, you know, you don't know. You don't know how hard it is. You don't know what it's like to be in grade seven. You don't know who these girls are. You don't know how hard it is to get social status. 
So again, going back to my earlier question, we really have to listen, 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 and really try to understand the world of our children. And that can be done through reading their teen fiction, watching their movies, having ongoing conversations, so that they really get a sense that we know what kind of struggles and angst that they're going through, and to know that we're an ally on their journey as they battle through the waters and and figure themselves out. So we have the greater likelihood of having the long-term goal of our child making good good decisions for themselves. So I hope that's helpful and good luck with all of that. And we'll catch you next time on the podcast. Keep sending in those questions. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.